Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. This is the Wesson Walker Show. I Not knew you were laughing at Michael Penix. That was yeah, no, it's, it's, it's definitely Penix. I've heard it pronounced no, a couple of different not, ways. It is, it's Wes. Come and on. you dry your bahuni and you dry like other... <laughs> what is he drying? Bahuni. Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> I'm going to start using that for oh. sure. And Walker. I can think of Joey Bats and Roughnet Odor. We know the punches were thrown there. What did I say? You want to say that first name again, bud? Roughnet is not his it's name. It's Roomned Odor. Are you sure? Yes. <laughs> yeah, but you also said Willie Stargle. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Willie Stargle. Tuesday, it is the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Keep those texts coming, 704-570-9610. And without any further ado, let's just get straight to it. It's time to talk some college football. It is time to go to the campus. Kona! All right, the Duke Blue Devils are 4-0. and They took out UConn rather easily this past Saturday, 41-7. Duke is 4-0, and and they did it the way that they always do it. They won the turnover battle for the 12th time under Coach Elko, Mike Elko, that is, and they're 10-2 in those games. They've started their season with four consecutive 20-point wins making that the first time in program history that that's happened. After scoring four touchdowns against UConn, Duke has posted four-plus touchdowns in four straight games, and Duke held UConn to 203 yards of total offense, making it the third consecutive game in which the Blue Devils held their opponents to under 300 yards of offense. Duke's defense comes into this matchup with Notre Dame as a top-10 scoring defense in all of college football. They're giving up less than 10 points per game. Game day coming there for the first time ever. So, Duke has already had a little bit of practice having that Labor Day night game against Clemson, being the only game in town as far as the ACC is concerned. Them having a big matchup with a top-10 team coming in and being an underdog. So, Walker Mail, are the Duke Blue Devils ready for game day, ready for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, fresh off the L from Ohio State? I don't know why they wouldn't be. They were ready for Clemson as soon as week one. Clemson struggled in the first half of their week two game. But I think even Clemson showed that maybe we were, I wouldn't I wouldn't say a little too hard on them, but they came out and they had a chance to beat Florida State that looked so good in their week one opener as well. So Duke beat a team in Clemson that still does have talent on it. And they were ready for all of the storylines heading in, right? Where it was, okay, this is a big old matchup. Wes Bryant is on our side. Everybody else thinks <laughs> Clemson is going to win. They were ready for it, and they performed defensively where even they had mistakes, 
and they won that game. Clemson helped them out too, but Duke did not even come close to playing a perfect football game. I think they're absolutely ready to take on this fighting Irish team, and they know a little about Sam Howe. He played in their backyard for quite some time, so it's not like they're playing this quarterback that they have zero idea on how he's going to play what you know kind of football what what kind of football he's going to play what his weaknesses are yeah duke's going to be ready to go yeah i think so too with 18 returning starters this year we've talked about how this team is a grizzled veteran team a lot of these guys have played a lot of snaps of football and they've been waiting for moments like this and i think they proved that in the clemson game when they came out yeah they had some uh, early mistakes that you would expect from a team in game number one, but this team was still ready to go. They felt like that that time was theirs as far as time for them to show people that they are for real. I think this is another opportunity for them, win or lose, where they're going to come out and show well, and I think that this team is certainly ready for moments like this, and I think this is what they've been building towards uh, with the type of season that they had last year and the start that they are on this year. So now turning the page to the North Carolina Tar Heels, they are undefeated as well. And one mark of a good team is when you take out the teams that you're supposed to. And so far, Carolina has done that. They have disposed of all of their early opponents. And even though they haven't played necessarily a ranked squad yet, well, not even necessarily, they have not played a ranked team yet. This team is doing what they're supposed to do, and that is beating the teams that are in front of them. Let's hear from Mac Brown what's been behind the 4-0 start for North Carolina that he talked about on the Kyle Bailey Show. Kyle, this is the best staff we've had overall together. They're working really, really well together, and we're, we're playing um, um, football that, that really fits each other. So we're, we're, we're playing complementary football, and, and that helps. We're running the ball more consistently. We're... Um, scoring touchdowns in the red zone. Uh, so we're, we're doing things that, that have been inconsistent for us in, in our past uh, four years. Uh, the other thing is we've got an older team. Uh, everybody but the cornerbacks on defense uh, have played a lot. And some of those cornerbacks have played some. They're not as, as experienced, but everybody else on defense has been out there for a couple of years and, and, and taken their hits. Yeah, and so I think that uh, you look at the North Carolina team right now and they beat Pittsburgh 41-24 to get to 4-0 and they just overwhelmed them with offense. Pitt came out on fire to start the game, but Carolina quickly put that fire out. And then you look at the game that they had. They had nine passing plays of over 15-plus yards, 228 yards gained on those plays uh, to be exact. And then in the running game, like Coach Brown talked about, they had four, quote-unquote, big plays rushing the football, gains of 10-plus yards. They had four of those for 63 yards. But the big thing has been defensively. And nobody thought Pitt was going to come in there and absolutely challenge North Carolina with the way their offense has looked with Phil Jakovic at the helm, but they still come out, only give up 307 yards, 197 passing yards, and 110 rushing yards that they gave up as well. And they played a disciplined football game, only three penalties for the Tar Heels to 11 for Pitt. So, Fiddy, what do you think about the Heels so far, what Coach Brown had to say in this 4-0 start? I think the thing I like about it the most, Wes, is they've won all four games in all different ways. And they're, they're averaging winning their, their games by 14 points per game. That wasn't happening a year ago. You were struggling to beat mediocre to below average football teams. That's why I thought all year long 
at some point it was going to catch up with them, and it did losing at home to Georgia Tech and NC State. And so um, they haven't played their best game yet. They've won in different ways with, with Drake May having to throw the ball some days, having to run the ball. And I think in my lifetime as a Tar Heel football fan, this is the most I've believed that they could have a special type of season. There you go. Uh-oh. Some hope Tar Heel from Fitty Josh. is back. Yep, after Fiddy, which it's true. After a ton of football fans that cheer for North Carolina, it always, they always say Tar Heel football only exists to let you down. That's mm-hmm. how it goes. <laughs> 4-0, it does seem like this one is a little more real. And it's because their defense is better. It, it doesn't mean that they're going to be a juggernaut to go against every single week. The bar is low, but you are, in my opinion, significantly better than what you were last year. Remember, even if they did give up all those yards to App State this past game against the Mountaineers, remember how much they gave up the first time or last year when they played them. And Drake May did have to score you know, close to 60 in order to beat App State. Here, that defense, yes, Minnesota's offense isn't good, but you did the job that was necessary. You held them to 13 points. In this game against Pittsburgh, no, their offense, their quarterback, it's been awful so far. And you did the job holding them to, what was it, 21 that they scored? So they're not scoring a ton, and I think the defense is improved enough for you to feel good enough about this squad. And even the running game. Mac Brown told you they want to run the football a lot more. Drake May is sixth in total QBR this entire season, and he only averages 33 passes per game. There are a lot more air raid-style offenses that are there to uh, maybe not exactly but to enhance the stat the stat profile for their quarterbacks and you don't need to rely on the passing game nearly as much this season as you did last year so complimentary football we've been hearing it a lot no matter what broadcast you watch people love bringing up complimentary football Carolina's starting to play it a little bit yeah and so you look at it too like coach Brown said he talked about their red zone success they scored four times in the red zone versus Pitt they scored 17 times in 19 drives in the red zone 13 of those touchdowns, and then the other four scores, field goals. So the Tar Heels are definitely capitalizing when they get their opportunities. And I think that that is the mark uh, of a good team. I know I picked them 6-6 and preseason, and we'll see as the competition starts to get tougher for them. But I do think the sign of a team that's at least pretty competent, they are beating the teams that are in front of them, and they have not had a letdown yet against a quote-unquote lesser team. Fiddy, you know what their next big test is, according to ESPN's best teams that are undefeated so far? There's some school from New York that plays football (laughs) in a dome with with air condition. Yep, that's the one. I think they're supposed to come to town, but, I mean, they were struggling with the Army the other day. Mm Mm-hmm. Like... I, I still hold true. They lose at home to Syracuse. Someone's ass better be fired. Who who is that person? You think Mac Brown? Should they just go ahead and get rid of the head coach? Uh, probably Gene Chizik. Because okay. I think if they lose, they lose in a shootout. And then you look at the ACC as well, and they are looking pretty good. Six four and zero teams, the most in a single season in ACC history, and they have the most undefeated teams in the FBS do the ACC, but there's going to be some big games uh, on the horizon for them. So now going over to the SEC quickly and you look at South Carolina and what they've been doing this season and Spencer Rattler's playing really good football. South Carolina, they're two and two uh, right now. Got to win on Saturday versus Mississippi State. But when you look at Rattler and the numbers, 
that he's been putting up. He's having an awesome season so far. 74% completion, seven touchdowns to two interceptions. He's way ahead of the pace he was on last year. When you talk about numbers, uh, the lowest passing output he's had thus far is the 256 he put up at Georgia in a rain-soaked Sanford Stadium. Other than that, he's been 288 or better, including one game over 350 yards and the other 345. Is he, like, the best player in the worst position of any quarterback in the country, you feel like, when you're talking FBS football? Well, that's an awfully specific question. I have to imagine you think the answer to this question is yes. So I'll allow you to make the case as to why he is that guy that's in the worst situation playing the best football. Well, we just talked about the fact that coming into the year, all the holes that they had on the offensive line, I believe they had to replace four of five starters. No running game to speak of like that. And then you talk about... uh, his skill guys on the outside, the number one receiver, Juice, uh, I forget what his Wells. last name, Juice Wells. Although I'm the one that called Sam Hartman Sam Howe, so yeah. maybe you double check that. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, but you know, he's putting up a lot of passing attempts on this team, even though he was a lot more efficient on Saturday as far as attempts, 18 for 20, so he didn't have to put the ball in the air that much. But just looking at what he's doing, the type of production he's getting, you would just like to think what could happen if he had a little bit more around him. Yeah, so we know that Spencer really got it going at the end of last season. 430 yards against Tennessee, 360 against Clemson, 246 was the low mark in the last three games. When if you look at 246 compared to every game before the last three weeks of the season, it would have been the second most amount of yards that he threw for. Now, in this year, you've seen him throw for 288, 256, 345, 353. That was a question mark for me about South Carolina. What Spencer Rattler were we going to get? Was he going to pick up where he left off last season? Or was he going to continue to be really inconsistent, dare I even say bad? I remember asking Gamecock fans at the end of last year, hey, Spencer Rattler announcing that he's coming back, would you have wanted him back had you not had the last three weeks and the bowl game? And I think most Gamecock fans were telling you no. They didn't want Spencer Rattler back if it wasn't for those last few outings. Now, you're welcoming him back with open arms because of the way that he's playing, despite the talent not holding up around him as much because of injuries and maybe just because the offensive line itself isn't very good. But real big hat tip to Spencer Rattler figuring it out and continuing on into this season. Yeah, and I think that's going to bode well for him when he goes to the next level because that's a lot what being a draft selection is, especially when a team is drafting a quarterback because I think right now the way he's looking, he looks like a guy that could be a second round the third round and maybe even play his way into the first round if this continues. Uh, You look at the way he's playing from an analytical standpoint. He's got an 85.7 offensive grade according to PFF. That's 37th out of 288 quarterbacks. So he's definitely doing uh, a lot with what he has and he doesn't have a heck of a whole lot. But when we come back, we're going to go back to the Carolina Panthers. How much of a chance do we give Frank Reich to turn this thing around like he did in Indianapolis? That and a whole lot more on the Weston Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Just like that, folks, we are back. The Wes and Walker Show debates raging going on in here as we are or were on raging. break. Yeah, it was raging. In here. You guys have been going at it. You talk about me and Fiddy, but you and Fiddy have been battling a lot today. Uh, well, each Fiddy, break is like round two, round three, round four. Fiddy said himself that he was in somewhat of a bad mood or feeling some type of way today. And I can feel that. when because I yeah, He is a little grumpy. He is. He's a little grumpy. <laughs> what did you... I don't want to... Put words in your mouth. So go ahead and you tell us what you said. But you said something along those lines. I mean, I just uh, I, 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 grumpy's too strong of a word. It's a Tuesday. It's my least favorite day of the week. And oh yeah, there you go. One of one of my worst people in life returned today. Worst people. Yeah, one of the people on my on my hate list reemerged today. One of the worst people. And, and on you know my who, life. you know who that is. It's it's Hornets Walker. Like, you know, people hate Clemson Mac, State Mac, Duke Mac, Tar Heel Mac. I would argue that Hornets Walker is is ten times worse because uh, we have argued in, what, three straight breaks about the Borrego firing. And uh, I'd like to think that I'm winning the arguments. Well, I mean, you've never lost one, according to Josh. <laughs> but, yeah, and it's not even... Like, we're still a month away from we got to actually start watching the team, and Hornets Walker is out in full force today. Well, we've been having the conversation. Yeah, the, the Borrego stuff. And I know that that was your boy, man. I didn't realize the, the personal affinity, and Borrego was a great guy. He really was. Really good dude. As is Steve Clifford, by the way, but you're not hearing any of that. Borrego was a great dude. We've just been talking about whether it was right or wrong. And I would have been cool with bringing Borrego back. I was understanding of why you decided to fire a guy that got beat by 30 in two play-in games. Not playoffs. Not not playoff games. Play-in games. You know those games don't count, though. There, there, there's not a statistical record of those games happening by the NBA. I do love that. That is true. So those games, technically, when you look back on the on the years, mm -hmm. they never happened. So they just miss out entirely. They just didn't make the playoffs, which <laughs> is what the franchise has done for the majority of its time existing. Same. When your argument is that they didn't make the playoffs and you're using that as a reason to like James Borrego, I think your argument is turned all the way upside down. Right, and then just disregards blatantly the injury. Oh no, he's he's oh, not here for injuries. Yeah, that doesn't oh, even count. No, no, but his but his thing, the thing that Fiddy has brought up in every single one of those breaks that we've been arguing about it apparently, they improve by ten years every year, Sean. Yeah, it's the only yeah. argument I need, Sean. Ten wins, yeah. The only other team to do it were the Phoenix Suns, and he was the only coach in his four years. I don't to think I, I need you to verify the win this. Total. I need you to verify this. Verify this because I'm not. I don't know if that's 100 percent true. Yeah, he outperformed his win total every year as the well, you head got coach. Got a tall order ahead of you because I know Walker Research is heavy with the Hornets. Get, so I can't wait to get see you get drum that. on it because I I, you I don't 
you right? Because you don't want to get I'm on not, it. Yeah. I, I'm not getting drunk. I got it. better things to do with my time. Oh, look at it. There it is. But I he's the only Fiddy. coach that did it. Trust I, me. Because I, I, I argued about it when he got fired. I know the Fiddy, best people. AKA the basketball the almanac. I, I know the best people. I Trust me. I've got right. the best information on the Charlotte Hornets. You have to trust me. This is the information that is true. All right. So getting back to the Carolina Panthers, though. Thank we were you. talking about Coach Reich, and we teased before the break. How much of a chance do you, Carolina Panthers fans, give him of turning this thing around? Because in his first tenure, uh, the start to his tenure in Indianapolis, they started one and five. They ended up finishing the first campaign with a ten and six record, a playoff berth, and a postseason win. Then in twenty twenty one, they started one and four, finished nine and eight, and were close to making the playoffs. So that's part of his. Uh, M.O., so to speak, his reputation as a coach. A lot of people feel like he's good at rallying the troops. And so right now, yes, it does look very ugly right now. But do we feel like there's any chance in Texas? Please hit us up, 704-570-9610. Any chance that you take any of that data and feel like it can be applied to this Carolina Panthers team? And if you don't, then why? It's tough to apply it here. Because you're in a completely different situation with the rookie quarterback. And the offensive line isn't as good as what finally the Colts decided to do. Invest up front to protect Andrew Luck. Yeah, only for him to retire just a year later. But at least he decided to invest in an offensive line rather than going after stars of the early 2000s like Frank Gore and Andre Johnson. So once, all right, maybe Ryan, Ryan Grigson, maybe it's not right to sign those guys. But instead, let's go draft Ryan Kelly. Let's go. And Grigson wasn't even a part of the front office at this point. This is all Chris Ballard. But maybe we go get a Quentin Nelson to help us with our interior pass protection. Anthony Costanzo retiring. It really did hurt them. Very good left tackle. But the difference here, Wes, is I think Frank Reich is a good floor raiser with a veteran average QB. And I think we saw that on display against Seattle. If you look at every single season that he coached in Indianapolis, everybody knows the whole he had a different QB every year stat, but all of those QBs were veterans at that point. Andrew Luck had been in the league for a while. Jacoby Brissett, not a veteran per se, but old enough that it wasn't his first season, had played with the Patriots already at that point, working with Jacoby Brissett, and they're able to go 7-9 and nine with Jacoby you look the next year, Phillip Rivers, an aging QB that the Chargers are ready to move on from. They go 11-5 and five and are very close to beating Buffalo in the first round of the playoffs. Carson Wentz, Philadelphia, wanted to get rid of him so badly they were willing to trade him. And they have a winning record. They don't get to the postseason, but they have a winning record. Matt Ryan was shot. Offensive line is awful. He gets fired early in the season. I think this is different, Wes, because... You have a lot more questions surrounding this roster than you do some of the other teams that was able to turn it around. And I don't know if that's a reflection on Frank Reich's awful coaching. I think it's just a reflection on where this roster is, especially with all the injuries that are coming about. Yeah, I think the thing is, the reason why I would say it would be tough to be able to to accomplish this is because of the way the team is built. I mean, the big fundamental flaw, we always talk about it all the time. You build the team up front, and then you fill in the rest there. Now you try to get the quarterback as well. That's definitely a huge part of that. But just offensive line-wise, the way this team is playing, if you had a good offensive line or if this team was playing the type of football up front that it was the second half of last season, then I may feel like you can do it if you had some things that were going on bad breaks here and there, maybe turnovers or something like that that cost you the game. But up front, you are playing sound football. 
then I could be like, all right, if this team can kind of cut down on some of the mistakes and different things, they can get it back in order and win some football games. But when you're as bad as Carolina is up front, I think that's very hard to overcome in a season, and it's not just one or two spots. And so that's the main thing that makes me feel like this would be an uphill climb for him to be able to do this. The line, the offensive line, that is, would have to drastically get better up front. When the offensive line is historically bad, which is what they're on pace for, by the way. Uh, we've dealt with bad offensive lines a lot here in Carolina. We're well used to it. But what's so frustrating is that this is the year we thought we could build on something that happened last season where, okay, we're all set. Set you back. Th- this is the cushion that Scott Fitterer built for himself last year. It's having a nice enough offseason where you draft Icky, you bring aboard Bradley Bozeman and Austin Corbett, and the offensive line saw the biggest overhaul, and that was an above-average unit to a point where it was just damn good, period. You were running the football well. No Christian McCaffrey, no problem on the ground. Deontay Foreman and Chuba Hubbard were both playing well. You decide to let Deontay Foreman sign with Chicago. Granted, he's not doing anything in Chicago. It's tough up there, too. But... You had a good offensive line. That was the cushion that he built for himself. And now that same offensive line, one, they're either injured. So maybe he would argue it's not the same offensive line, but you didn't do anything to allow themselves to be stable. If one of them goes down, Corbett goes down at the beginning of the season, Chandler Zavala, the guy that you drafted that you were happy to draft just hasn't shown that he is ready to go at all. When you get a zero pass protection grade, Wes, I had a buddy text me yesterday who just wasn't listening to the show at the time. He said, I've never seen a zero pass protection grade before in my life. (laughs) When you you allow 14 pressures, and you can scoff at PFF, that's fine. 14 pressures. Allowing 14 pressures on a QB. 10. We didn't think Icky was playing well. We didn't think Bradley Bozeman was playing all that well. They allowed four. Savala allowed, uh, that is an unbelievable number. And it goes to show you, hey, Andy Dalton, it it makes you more impressed with the way that he played, honestly. When you're running for your life, off-platform, off-schedule, I thought Andy Dalton really played well. And hopefully Bryce Young can bring that to the table. But what's unfortunate is that he has to bring that to the table, right? Like, you want him to, be have, you want him to have that a part of his bag, but it looks like it has to be a part of it in game number three that he plays because the protection is so lacking. I mean, you talk about 14 pressures allowed. By a single player. Just how you say that, it sounds really, really just something out of the ordinary. And they had it's basically drives. like, yeah, it's, 12 drives, Wes. it's basically like you're not even there when you give up that type of pressure. It's like basically every pass play, you are a liability. And so uh, that that really puts coaches at a just in a place to where it's just difficult. They have to call the exact perfect plays when you are not executing up front. That's what people don't understand is how the margin for error goes so uh, high for mistakes to happen. But also as a coach, your margin for error has to be so small. You have to call the right plays when your offensive line isn't giving you what you need up front, especially when they are this bad. And so uh, that's the thing about it. And I see the text line and nobody's making excuses for Frank 980 numbers. Just a question to ask, because also when you think about it in those starts, how must those fans have felt when those starts were going on? If you started the season one and five, I'm pretty sure that those fans were very much feeling the same way that a lot of Carolina's fans feel. 
the one and four start in 2021. I'm sure their fans felt there was no way in hell that that team would be able to make the playoffs. And so that's why I asked the question. The optics are going to look very bad, and there's going to be a lot of people to be like, man, I bet those same fans felt there was no way in hell that their team was going to finish with a 10-6 and record that year. He started 1-5 and with a playoff berth and a postseason win. So that's why I felt the need to ask the question, do you guys feel like that this could happen? Because I'm sure that same fan base felt the same way that you guys feel out Well, there. and this is why like people are saying don't make excuses for him. It's okay to be frustrated with Frank Reich. Not yeah. having your team ready to play at the beginning of the season, it's frustrating. When you have that many penalties and Frank doesn't have a great answer for you at the end as to why they had so many false starts, on Wednesday, we made it loud as hell. It was louder on our Wednesday practice than it was in Lumen Stadium on Sunday. You just kind of throw your hands up in the air and say, I don't know what gives, but they weren't ready to go. So that's that's really frustrating. But what am I supposed to do when you have a 10-6 and six season with the best quarterback that he's ever had with Andrew Luck, his first year with the Colts, 11-5 and five with the second best QB that he's ever had with Phillip Rivers, 9-8 and eight with Carson Wentz, 7-9 and nine with Jacoby Brissett. I just think it's not that we're making excuses. It's that I think there's too much evidence to just suggest that Frank Reich is an outright bad coach. Maybe you could argue that he's not the right guy for this situation. I don't think we have near enough evidence to suggest that at this point. But there's a reason that most of the fan base yesterday, when we put it on a poll, most of the fans wanted us to have a Scott Fitterer conversation because they're about tired of the draft not producing either stars or quality starters or guys that we have to question on whether they're going to make it to a second contract. Brian Burns was not a Scott Fitterer selection. Derek Brown was not a Scott Fitterer selection. J.C. Horn, who looks good when he's out there, was. But, man, what else are you pointing to and saying, because of what he drafted, I feel good about the team's future? And I'm one that understands that there's some nuance with Matt Rule and Scott Fitterer because Matt Rule had 51% control. I'm not saying he needs to be fired right now. But we can look at Scott Fitterer compared to Frank Reich and say, yeah, there's a reason that he's on more of the hot seat than what the head coach is through three games where guys are falling down, where they're injured and they can't suit up. And you have a rookie QB playing for you. There's a reason the GM is getting more heat. And so now when you look ahead to this Minnesota matchup and you talk about the passing games and you talked about how Kirk Cousins, what he's capable of doing. But what's the fake in Carolina's passing game against Minnesota? Because this is a unit in the bottom 10 of the league surrendering 261 yards per game. And normally I don't like to uh, choose pass or run defense stats because sometimes it can be a little bit skewed depending on how teams are choosing to attack them. But this is a Minnesota defense that's all opportunities. They're giving up 261 through the air, 120 on the ground. So there are plays there to be made. And they're also giving up 27 points per game. And so this is another opportunity for the offense to come out and see what they can have uh, against a defense that's not one of the best in the league. And so what do you expect out of this passing game uh, against Minnesota? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be hard for me to try to figure. So Bryce Young, is someone that's running for his life back there because the offensive line is allowing a ton of pressure, whether it's him or Andy Dalton at QB. The offensive line is not big good. We know that. Brian Flores loves to blitz. I think he blitzed at an 80% rate against the Chargers. Justin Herbert had over 400 yards total passing, over 300 yards against the blitz. And while I respect the hell out of Brian Flores as a defensive play caller, even a head coach who did a very nice job with Miami when they didn't have a whole lot of talent that you expected for them to win as many games as they did. 
Brian Flores might need to dial back the blitz in a situation like that. All right, Justin Herbert's destroying y'all. Maybe you dial it back. I don't know about Bryce Young because if you're getting pressure on Bryce without needing to blitz, then it makes sense to have more guys in coverage if guys can get past the offensive line. So I don't know what Brian Flores is going to bring to this Carolina Panthers team. And if he does decide to dial up the pressure, I hope Bryce Young is ready for those hot routes. I hope that Bryce Young is ready to get the ball out of his hands extremely quickly, whether there's a wide receiver open or not, because one legitimate criticism on him, he was holding on to the ball too long. He was. He compounded the amount of pressures that the offensive line that the offensive line allowed to get to him. So hopefully Bryce can fix all of that. But yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see what Flores decides. And this to is do. also a Minnesota defense that's twenty first in sack percentage. So this is the defense where you should be able to make your bones and be able to get some yards and get some points up there. I think with what we saw from this team against Seattle, uh, I think they're more than capable of having another output of 20-plus points and pushing the Minnesota Vikings in a game that I guess at this point looks like it has the propensity to be uh, a shootout. So uh, let's go over to our resident gunslinger, Josh Fittimarlo, for his second flash of the day. You wanted the numbers. Uh oh. 2018, 2019, the oh, projected I win know total. He did it. I don't, you said he was oh, the only coach to oh, do it. Oh, no. No, I'm nixing this nope. right now. You said he was the only this coach is in my history flash. to do it. This is my flash. Sit there and don't talk. <laughs> projected <laughs> win total was 36. Yes, you're going to say stuff we already know. He won 39 games. In 2019-2020, the projected win total, 22.5. He won 23 games before COVID cut their season short. In 2021-2022, the projected win total was 26.5. He won 33 games. And in 2021-2022, the projected win total was 36.5. And James Borrego won 43 games. There you go. There is not another team in the NBA that for four years exceeded the projected that's, win total. This is Ooh, what I wanted the research that's on. A, yeah, that, that's strong the right there, man. No, I don't no, know about not. that. I, I looked th- at all the numbers. I knew that stat for James Borrego. The part I wanted Drum to research for us was you saying that he was the only coach to ever do it. That was the well, part I wanted to research. Well, during his four years as the head coach, no other team did it. Okay. That was the part I wanted the research on. Yeah, no, no, no other, no other team did it. Oh, and then you had the back-to-back ten-win improvement season. I, I've been told about that. That only the Phoenix Suns or the Golden State Warriors were able to do in back-to-back years. Oh, now Golden State's in the mix now. Yeah, he's yeah, he's. I'm pretty sure it was Steve the Kerr. Suns because of Monty Williams, who also got wrongfully fired uh, in Phoenix. <laughs> And everywhere he's ever been, he's been wrongfully fired. Well, what I can't wait for is when Steve Clifford and the Charlotte Hornets team this year wins 37 games. It's not happening. And they increase by 10 victories. What is Fiddy <laughs> going to say then? Dude, if, if that happens, mm-hmm. okay, hang on. Mark this down. What's today's date? Please do. We got time today. The tw- September 26th. Uh-huh. September 26th, so 2023. So we're saying 
We're saying 37 wins. 10 more than what they had last year. What's the projected win total for this year? Do you remember off the top of your head? I don't know what the I don't know okay. what Vegas size. We'll, well get drummed on that were, too. Were they twenty five and fifty seven last year or twenty seven and fifty five? I think they were twenty seven wins. Okay, so if they win thirty seven, they win thirty seven games. Oh what, yeah, tell me what you're gonna do. Tell what, Thirty and a half. Whether I am bald or I have hair, or I still have hair on my head, I will do an entire show with peanut butter on my head. Mark it down, folks. There it is. Boom. I love it. 37 victories. That's all we need. Oh, that's all. The problem is, Fiddy is going to be a curmudgeon pulling against the Hornets every single <laughs> yeah, night. He is. So he doesn't have to put peanut butter on his dome. And if they win 36 or less, you have to buy me lunch for a week. Mm. And See, I don't know if I have enough confidence that they're going to win 37 wins. <laughs> Come on, Hornets, Walker. All right, we'll, 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 we'll pick this up on the other side. Take us away. I, I like this. We'll let you guys debate this you more during the break. When we come back, visit to the mound. I try to keep these two from killing each other, and we'll see if we can get the, the terms of this bet locked down. That and more. This is Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. People are writing in on the text line about the potential bet that we agreed to during the break. And uh, the oh. terms have been official. Oh, you can No, no, I came over there. The terms no. are official. I tried to shake your hand, and you were like, uh, what were we shaking hands for? Yeah, you did start getting a little shook, Walker. I Thank must you. Say. You did start getting a little freezy McGeezy. <laughs> That's what they call me. <laughs> what? This is your boy, McGeezy. MC. Freezy, freezy McGreezy. <laughs> I like McGreezy a little better. Okay, Freezy yeah. McGreezy. Well, it goes to show you that I'm not exactly a homer for the Hornets because 37 wins... It's a little dicey, but I'll agree to it. I think that's fair. Now, here's what people are writing in. <laughs> Hype C wrote in, what does a lunch mean? Monday through Friday, Monday through Sunday. We had Heartstopper Har- uh, Harley. That's a tough one to say. Better put a price cap on that lunch bet per day or that mofo is what Harley calls me. <laughs> we'll be going to uh, Outback every day. Yeah, or he or he should. Um, I'll say we put a cap at about like 15 bucks, which is a decent amount. Yeah, I mean, a lunch for fifteen bucks—it's a—it's a good lunch, I think, right? It is. So we'll put a cap at fifteen, if you're still going to agree to it, or unless you're going to be freezy McGreezy, unless you're going to be that. Yeah, you're going to be eating good though. Fifteen dollars a day—that's a nice per diem for lunch. That's a yeah. little expensive, Walker. That's. Well, we can bring it down if you want. Seventy-five bucks. All right, we can. Why well, no? Yeah, we can bring it down. <laughs> it's going to be Monday through Friday. It's yeah, not gonna it'll be, be Monday the days that we're on the air because you're going to have to watch me eat while you talk. What you do every day, just about anyway. Let's say how different is that. I just watched <laughs> um, you take a bite full of pizza while we were on air. <laughs> all right. So the last, uh, 
you do you do know that this means I will be openly rooting against them yes, during the season. I do, and this is my problem because I'm gonna have to deal with a bad mood any time that they win. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's really only gonna be until they they really start threatening the 37. Yeah, the the problem is once they get to <laughs> you know they get to win 27 or whatever, and even if you don't think the Hornets are gonna be that good. 27 days of bad fitty is still a lot of bad fitty. That is. Wow. Even if they don't increase a lot. I've been really good, though, for, I mean, really since, like, you, the last, like, nine months. <laughs> is this a gestation period of good behavior? <laughs> well, I mean, you did sit me down and, and give me the old uh, the old daddy talk, so, you know. And then you called me daddy, which was really no, unfortunate. No, you called yourself daddy the other day on the air. No, you, no, I'm not having this argument for you. This is nonsense. This is what's going to happen. We're going to agree to this, okay? okay? Well, you're going to put peanut butter on your shaven head at the end of the season. You're going to do a whole show. I apologize to Ron. We'll make sure that <laughs> the the behind the scenes, the produce, the, the board, the soundboard, it does not get any peanut butter on it. <laughs> I'm sorry, Ron. So we're going to have that. And if they win 36 games or less, then... I will have to get you lunch. Man, that's going to be a real pain to get all that stuff out. With that, well, he's going to shave his head. He's just going to... You're talking about the peanut butter? Yes. Yeah, that's going to... He'll just shave his head. It'll be fine. Uh, Casey Steve said, if Hornets don't win that amount, Walker has to get a Clifford the Big Red Dog tattoo. I'm not getting yeah, any tattoos. That's tattoo. a little strong. Yeah, that's strong. If I had a fake tattoo for like a week, I would do that. But I'm not getting a real Clifford the Big Red Dog tattoo. No, thank you. King of Marlowe Militia, your boy, looking out for you. Fitty, don't be foolish. Not just lunch for a week. Stipulate that from where, or else lanky ass will get you lunch from McDonald's. So, Ooh, looking out for you. We don't slander McDonald's. He'd Shrop. appreciate it. And yeah, we're not here for the McDonald's slander. Yeah, Schraub's got to make a McDonald's run tomorrow because I'll beat him in fantasy football. All right, fair. We'll just go to McDonald's every time. <laughs> and Seminole Lloyd said Hornets will win more than 37. People are saying, hey, the injuries were a big deal. You know, Jamal did say a good point. Fitty rooting against the Hornets, what would be all that different? It's true. See, this is it's the true. problem, though, because when the Hornets came back as a, as like the Hornets, I wanted them to become my NBA team. But my, my Nick fandom doesn't run very deep. And James Borrego was the guy that got me really close. Well, I was watching every night, going to games for work, you know, when they played on Friday nights. And they took him away. Answer me this, Walker. Okay. If they don't win 37 games, should Steve Clifford be fired? They probably will move on from him anyway with new ownership. I mean, I, 37 games is a made-up win total from us. Mm -hmm. Really, the goal for this Hornets team is going to be make it in the play-in tournament, not get destroyed by 30, get to an actual spot where you can compete in the playoffs. Whether you get there via play-in tournament or just outright make a top-six seed, I don't expect that to happen. Certainly, I'm not going to be making any lunch bets or peanut butter bets on that. <laughs> but I do think 37 wins is in the cards where they can maybe get into the play in. And then, hey, how about we play some nice postseason basketball? That's what you want from the Hornets this year. If LaMelo stays healthy, barring any injuries, which if anything happens like it did last year, that's going to be a real excuse because it was brutal what they experienced last year. But that's the goal. Play in. And then possibly get to the playoffs because they won two games. And maybe even host a play-in game. Let's get real crazy. Let's get a seven or eight seed. Mm. <laughs> Let's shoot for the stars. A Hornets walker would love that. I, yes. I have to talk about the team every day. I have no problem saying that I would like the Hornets to win basketball games. <laughs> you said that as if it was an insult. Oh, geez. This guy, real homer, wants his team to win games. Yes. Call me crazy. 
I am going crazy from seeing the Hornets play bad basketball every single year. It would be a nice change of pace to see them actually win some basketball. Well, this is going to put a nice little bit of juice on the season, though, for us to maybe, uh, not even maybe, for us to pay attention to the games all the more because of what's at stake here. Remember last year at Media Day, that's when Willie Pede had the blue hair dye bet. And people hated him for going fake hair dye. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. You've got to bring this up when you're talking with the guys next week. Like The motivation for them is not the incentives in their in their contract. It's to see some short fat producer have peanut butter on his head for three hours. Yeah, we got a hater on the show right now that's listening to you who's actively pulling for you to win less than 37 games. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell everybody that. Just let me know if you ask Terry Rozier because I'll have to be standing by the dump button. That's true. You are so right about that. Terry Rozier, he will let an S-bomb fly every single time he is on the microphone. We are going to be out there. We'll be talking to the Charlotte Hornets on Media Day, and we skipped Visit to a Mound. I'm telling you, the fact that we skipped Visit to the Mound to have Hornets conversation with Fiddy, I can imagine why he's in a bad mood. Oh, for sure. We skipped baseball to talk for professional basketball. NBA, the, the league that he bashes so much. He's eating his pizza. He's having a good time. We'll come back. Maybe we'll bring Visit to the Mound. He worked hard on it. I do not want to deny my peanut butter wearing friend his Visit to the Mound. So we will bring that at some point in the 2 o'clock hour. Still an hour to go here on Wesson Walker. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.